you know, the middle of the road and moderation is crucial. Like you can have a glass of wine here or there. You can have a steak now and then, but it's like, you don't have to do everything to such an extreme where you only eat steak or you only eat egg. Welcome to Radically Loved Radio. I am your host, Rosie Acosta, yoga teacher and teacher trainer, mindfulness coach, speaker, and creative writer. I am also the founder of radicallyloved.com, a website where you can go for more information about yoga, mindfulness, meditation, and lifestyle advice. On this podcast, we talk to people within our health and wellness community that are creating content through the ritualistic practice of yoga, meditation, or overall mindful living. We hope to create value in your life so that you can achieve your highest potential and live a radically loved life. To stay in touch with us, just follow me on Instagram and Twitter at Rosie Acosta and on Facebook at Radically Loved Rosie. You can sign up for our newsletter on radicallyloved.com to stay up to date on future workshops, retreats, and latest podcasts. Hey guys, most of you know that I have returned back to a plant-based diet, so my beverage consumption has increased quite quite a bit. Don't judge. I know there's some of you out there that really enjoy beverages. So one of my favorite things to drink lately, which I'm consuming a lot of, is Four Sigmatic's new Golden Latte Mushroom Mix. It has shiitake and turmeric in it. It's totally organic, caffeine-free, vegan, and only one gram of palm sugar per serving. I love being able to travel with these little packets because they're really easy to make. All you need is some hot water. Some of the additional ingredients in the golden latte are adaptogenic tulsi, warming ginger, and a pinch of black pepper to support turmeric skin-loving properties. So not only do your insides feel amazing, but your skin looks great. Go to Four Sigmatic now and enter promo code RADICALLYLOVED, that's R-A-D-I-C-A-L-L-Y-L-O-V-E-D to get 15% off of your entire purchase. Be sure to check out all the other products that they have there as well. Hey listeners, we need your support. Help us by subscribing and rating to this podcast. Send us a snapshot of your review or comment and we will send you a very special Radically Loved gift. Send your comment to info at radicallyloved.com. You can also click on the show notes here on this podcast for more information. If you want to be part of our community, please click the link to our private Facebook group, on the show notes of this particular podcast so you can be the first to hear of upcoming trainings, retreats, and special Radically Loved events. Thanks so much for listening. I I had all these aspirations of, of becoming a doctor, right? And so after I went through that schooling, like the first two years, I was like, there's no way. It's just not that I didn't feel like I couldn't do it, but it was just like, I think I was just so overwhelmed. So I'm always so inspired by uh, women, just in general, just women. I'm just inspired by women. I love women. So, yes. so, but when I get the opportunity and the privilege to talk to a doctor and not just any doctor, but a cardiologist, uh, I get really excited. Okay, good. <laughs> well, I get excited when I can talk to someone who seems like they have a much calmer mental life uh, <laughs> from doing yoga. Which I find yes. So you know, it's interesting. I just had a conversation uh, recently with 
uh, this really incredible uh, teacher, author, uh, her name's Yvonne Telly, who wrote a book called Breaking Up with Busy. And we were talking about how people in our field, you know, yoga, meditation, self-development, how people have this idea that we just have these like really relaxing lives. And I'm like, but not really. I mean, I think everyone's schedule is the same when you're an entrepreneur or you're trying to build your own business. It's like, we still create those stresses in our lives. Definitely. I think that it's hard for anybody to sort of get the busy stuff out of their brain and and, uh, have some calmness. Yeah. Okay. So for those of you listening, welcome. Welcome to Radically Loved Podcast. Uh, I'm so excited, as as you heard, to be talking to somebody that is uh, legit. (laughs) (laughs) She, uh, I'll I'll let you tell the audience a little bit about yourself, but I am so, so excited to to dive into some questions I have. So uh, for the people listening, um, I have Dr. Jennifer Haith on today. I'm trying to add a clap track so that we can have a little like, yeah. Oh, I like that. <laughs> um, if not, everyone listening, just pretend or just clap, pretend. Um, so for the people listening, oh, you guys, we're at the, no, please go ahead. So just so you guys know, those of you listening, Jen, Jen's actually at work right now, <laughs> which we want her to be at work because we want her doing what she does best. Um, so you may randomly hear uh, p- her getting calls or people coming in and, you know, just we'll make it part of the show. So I'm trying to keep it to a bit of a Dr. Jen, welcome. Yes, thank you. Uh, so for those the people listening, will you give us uh, a little bit of background as to who you are and what you do? Yeah, so I am a cardiologist. I work at New York Presbyterian Hospital Columbia in New York City, and I specialize in advanced heart disease, so people with um, advanced heart failure, people who need transplant, people who've had a heart transplant, and I have a special interest in pregnant women, so I take care of a lot of um, Mm -hmm. pregnant women with heart disease. And that's what I do. <laughs> how what? How did this happen? Like, did you always want to be a doctor? Like, growing up, where did you grow up? You know, I I grew up in Connecticut. Okay. It, we lived in Stamford, Connecticut, and I um, I didn't always want to be a doctor. I think that I really liked science when I was a kid. I was a little bit one of those dorks who wanted <laughs> my mom to order like 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 a pig and a frog for me to dissect in the backyard like already dead obviously and um I just really liked it so I enjoyed I really liked science and then but I also liked other things you know I I liked reading and I liked history and so when I went to college I was actually an American history major and then I did pre-med um and I think it was in college that I really realized that I wanted to take the pre-med courses and be a doctor because I, I couldn't imagine having a job where I sat at a desk all day and I wanted to have a job where I worked with a lot of people and Mm -hmm. helped people. And I wanted to feel like when I looked back on my life, I felt like for me, what was important was feeling like I had helped people basically. Yeah. Yeah. And so you, you took on, you took it upon yourself to put yourself through this journey and, uh, to work with women in particular and what spawned that? 
So I found, first of all, I, I, I love women. I have a lot of women in my life and <laughs> I, uh, I have lots of great women friends. So I'm just, I'm like a woman person in mm-hmm. general. And then Ditto. I, Ditto. yeah, yeah. And I, um, I just felt like women were really being sort of undertreated, underdiagnosed, undercared for, you know, I think that in the world that we live in now, there's a lot of recognition of how women are being mistreated in business and in work and the Mm. Me Too movement. And it's the same in medicine. It's the same, you know, in hospitals. And it's the same with patient care. And, you know, when you look back at how women, particularly in cardiology, which is my area of interest, have been treated in terms of, you know, research and diagnosis and then treatment, it's so much worse than men and, and just really pretty shameful. So when that all came upon me, I realized like I was really wanted it to be part of my mission to go and try to make women more aware of their risks and try to help them reduce those risks. Yeah. And this is actually something I was reading about uh, a couple weeks ago, maybe, maybe when we connected, uh, it just kind of spawned this, this whole like study, you know, where I was reading all, all the statistics and, and how, the statistics of women getting misdiagnosed or not getting the proper health, uh, not getting the proper care in regard to their health. And, and how mm-hmm. obviously it's like, it's like anything else, you know, if the people don't know what they're looking for or as, as patients, we don't really know what, what the signs are. So I was hoping that you can speak to that a little bit so that we can really understand what it looks like to be healthy and, you know, why our heart health is so important. Yeah. So I think that when you look at women and how they've been treated in the entire medical field and in cardiology in particular, I think that there's been a real bias against them for a lot of different reasons. One is that, um, heart disease was really thought of as a man's disease and it was presented Mm -hmm. as such in pretty much all the media that you can imagine. So in, in TV and movies and books, you know, there's always male characters that are dying of a heart attack that have, you know, you think of the smoking big red faced, angry man having a heart attack or, you know, things like that. And, and never do you, do you see a woman with suffering from heart disease in any of those scenarios? So I think there's sort of a cultural bias against Mm -hmm. women. Mm -hmm. And then there was a lot of um, scandal sort of in the, I guess it was now like the 60s when the thalidomide uh, disaster happened. And basically because thalidomide, which I don't know if you remember, but was a um, used as a sedative in women who were anxious, and then it turned out to cause a lot of severe birth defects. And that happened a lot more in Europe than in this country. But as a result, the FDA really stopped women from participating in any research trials because they were really, I mean, it was, it was born out of good reason, but as a result, now women have been really excluded from so many of the randomized trials we have studied to look at, you know, medicines and treatment of heart disease. And so I think now women don't realize for so many reasons that heart disease is their number one killer and it's more than all cancers combined. And that's a really shocking number that most women don't no. And they don't talk about it with each other. They're not aware of it. Their doctors are often not aware of it. So I oh think my goodness. that message is important to get out there. Wow. Yeah. And why do you think that is? Why is it? I mean, I would have thought it would have been cancer, not heart disease. Yeah, no, it is heart disease. And and, and heart disease really encompasses so many um, problems. I mean, cardiovascular disease in general, it's heart attacks, heart failure, 
you know, secondary effects of hypertensive heart disease, um, diabetes, high cholesterol, uh, valve disease, arrhythmias. I mean, there's so many kinds of cardiovascular disease, stroke, you know, and so that is really important. And, and I think that for women, they should know that they don't need to be embarrassed. They shouldn't feel like there's a stigma attached to having a diagnosis of heart disease. And in fact, there's so much you can do to change your risk factor profile as opposed to like cancer where you get cancer and you have cancer, you know, yeah, yeah. You, you can get chemo and surgery and, you know, but in heart disease, you can really like lower your risk by treating your high blood pressure, treating your high cholesterol, like exercising, weight loss, you know, so there's a lot of interventions which make it a disease that I think is really positive and, and there's a lot of things we can do to help people. So that's what I really like about it. Yeah, no, that's so, it's great that we're having a conversation because I feel like it's, it's, you know, for me, when I was a teenager, I was diagnosed with um, extra systole. Uh-huh. So, and I had no idea what that was. I'm like, and nobody knew everyone's like, oh, just let's put her on some Xanax and like, right, it'll, right. it'll, it'll fix it. But it's, um, you know, it was heart palpitations, right? Right, right. Yeah. And that's the way a lot of women are treated. Give her some Xanax. She's having an anxiety attack. You know, yeah. women go to the ER and they said, they say they have chest pain and, you know, they're often dismissed as being anxious, panic. You know, there, there actually used to be a diagnosis of hysteria, hysteria for women no. who were, yeah, this no. is back many, many, you know, going back decades. But oh yeah, God. I mean, that's, and that's why women feel embarrassed. But in fact, you know, it isn't hysteria. It's heart disease. <laughs> they need to, and they need to be treated and evaluated appropriately. And maybe it isn't, but if, but at least you should get the, the same workup as a, as a man would get. Yeah. So how do we ask, like, how do we go to the doctor and, and ask for a diet? Do we have to go to a cardiologist? Like, would you recommend us women at a certain age going to the cardiologist or how, how, what does that look like for normal people? Right. Well, depending on your age and your risk factor profile and, you know, women should start being screened as early as in their, you know, mid to late 20s for risk factors for heart disease. And so what the first thing that women really need to know is what the risk factors are. And for women, it's so first of all, very important is family history. So if you have a parent or um, a sibling who's had a significant, you know, cardiac event or a heart attack, you know, before the age of 50 or 60, that is something your doctor really needs to know about because certain genetic predisposition will exist regardless of if you, you know, go to the gym seven days a week and, mm -hmm. you know, are incredibly in shape. If you have high blood pressure, diabetes, high cholesterol, smoking, um, and then in women, uh, newly identified risk factors are preeclampsia. So that's when you develop a hypertensive disorder in pregnancy. Mm, that, mm -hmm. that is a risk factor now for heart disease. Premature delivery, also a, uh, a risk factor for heart disease of the woman. Um, and so, you know, as we learn more about these risk factors and women are more aware, they should go to their primary care doctor for their annual or to their GYN and say, you know, have you assessed my risk factors for heart disease? Do I have any risk factors? And that should be done every year. Um, and then if you do have risk factors or you are having symptoms, you certainly should get more workup, like a, you know, possibly a stress test or an ultrasound of your heart. I mean, there's a lot that can be done, but depending on what you tell your doctor. Yeah. Okay. So, so it's really a matter of us being aware of when, when that time is and to just be 
you know, hyper, hypersensitive to our current state. Exactly. Okay. And what does, what would a normal healthy heart look like? Or what, what does it really look like to be healthy? Like, for example, I, I love cardio. I love doing lots of cardio. Um, Mm -hmm. and is it, is it something that's contraindicated if you, if you have a history of cardiovascular disease, is it hereditary? Like, so we want everyone to do cardio if possible. So (laughs) (laughs) if you can get your butt off the couch and do it, I think that, you know, there are some studies showing lately that, you know, maybe four times a week, 45 minutes, 30 to 45 minutes of cardio is the optimal amount of exercise for people to do. I mean, really what we want is, um, people who have, you know, had a heart attack or who have certain valve disease or have heart failure, those people will need to speak to their doctor about what is and isn't allowed. And certainly, you know, for certain periods of time or with certain arrhythmias, your doctor may say to, to go gradually or to, um, not get your heart rate over a certain amount. But in, for, in general, most people should really try to do cardio four days a week with, you know, a good heart rate response, um, for at least 30 minutes of that. And, I think that what what our goal is, is for people to feel like that they're healthy. And so that sort of get, begs the question, like, well, what is healthy? And we have a lot of different ways of devi- defining health, I think, in our society. Mm-hmm. So um, healthy may mean to one person that they are really happy and enjoy their life and um they may not exercise that much. And to another person, healthy may mean that they work out seven days a week and their, you know, resting heart rate is 50. And somebody else, it may be, I want to, you know, be able to always walk on my own and not get old and have someone have to help me. And so I'd rather die before that happens. So, you know, I think it really, you know, depends. Some people don't ever want to lose their vision. Some people don't want to lose their hearing. You know, some people never want to lose their independence. And I think most people probably would argue that healthy means, you know, you live your life, you're very active, you can do whatever you want to do, and then you drop dead at a certain age without any suffering. (laughs) Right? I mean, that would be the goal that you don't get, you know, hospitalized multiple times and have to suffer. And so from our perspective, the best way to keep your heart in that condition is to, you know, exercise, eat healthy, um, make sure you, you know, have things in your life that you enjoy, like that reduce stress, like actually yoga has been shown to reduce blood pressure and, and lower resting heart rate and improve, you know, mental stress, which is also a huge uh, issue for people with heart disease. And certainly stress can trigger cardiac events. So, you know, I think people have to fill their lives with the things they enjoy. But from our perspective, healthy is, you know, ideally getting your heart rate up to your, you know, target heart rate for four times a week. Yeah. Oh, that's good. Well, that's but great. also having good cholesterol and not having diabetes. You know, there's right. so many things. So how does that? Life. Yeah. So how does a, <clears throat> our diet obviously plays in in a role in all of this? Mm-hmm. So we, you know, uh, my feeling about diet is I'm really not a fan of fad diets. I, they don't work, and I don't think people ever stick to them. And if people lose a couple of pounds, it's almost always related to f- like losing water weight. Mm. So I. You, you know, the diet I always tell my patients to stick to and which is really there is actually some data to support it is the Mediterranean diet. So a diet rich mm-hmm. in, you know, olive oil, not butter, no fried food, uh, leg, lots of legumes, fish, 
minimizing red meat, you know, nuts, vegetables, fruits, things like that. Whereas, um, you know, that's, that's basically the, uh, the DASH diet is another one, which is very similar to the Mediterranean diet, specifically designed to lower blood pressure and also minimizes a lot of the salt in your diet. So that's the diet I encourage my patients to stick to. Oh, that's really good. I mean, I've studied both of those, uh, the DASH and the Mediterranean, and I, I think it's, they're really great. And I've I've definitely read a lot of, um, you know, studies that people have done that, that actually helps lower that. Is there anything that you would not recommend? I don't recommend people to go on these high protein, um, ketogenic diets. I think that they're really not healthy. (laughs) Let's talk about that. I think that's a, I was so, I'm so surprised. No, no, no. I'm, I'm just, I'm surprised because it, it is something that people are really doing a lot of right now. Yeah. So I, 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 you know, I have always felt like we as human beings can process a lot of food. I know there's a lot of different theories about what's best, but I've always felt like if you eat a balanced diet and you, you know, you're healthy and active, you're getting all your nutrients you need from your diet. Right. Mm-hmm. And I don't think it's appropriate to only eat, you know, excessive amounts of one food group um, the same way that you know, it's not good to eat only sugar. I don't think you should only be eating high protein, you know, and excluding all of the things your body needs, you know, some fat, some carbohydrates, some sugar. And it's, I know it's not sexy and it's not, you know, exciting for people to hear. And I certainly think people lose weight on a very high protein diet, but it's, again, it's not that sustainable. And it's just, I I think that it's, you know, sort of ignoring the fact that we need some balance of all the different kinds of food groups and, the ability to process those and, and get those to our different parts of our body is important. So I, but I think that it's boring, you know, to say you need to have a little of this and a little of that. And our culture is so driven by, you know, extremes and, and, you know, people are buy more books about celiac disease than they do about heart disease, even though they're most likely going to die of heart disease, you know? Mm. So it's just not an interesting topic for people, but it is actually, you know, the middle of the road and moderation is crucial. Like you can have a glass of wine here or there. You can have a steak now and then, but it's like, you can, you don't have to do everything to such an extreme where you only eat steak or you only eat egg. Right? Yeah. Well, like, I mean, some, some of these, you know, people that I know are like having steak for breakfast, lunch, and dinner, like every right. day, every day. And I'm just like, right. Boy, right. I mean, I, I do personally, <laughs> I do more of a, you know, plant-based diet. I mean, that's, that's right. typically how I eat. And I, and I have celiac. So it's like, I've been gluten-free since back when I was diagnosed with my extra systole, you know, like back then, right. you know, when, well, when, that's interesting you say that because I actually know several people who've had palpitations related to a diagnosis of celiac disease. <gasps> and it certainly really? has, yeah, it has an interplay with heart disease for sure. But you know, there is celiac disease and then there's people who decide that they don't want to eat gluten anymore. Right. You know, celiac disease is a very specific disease mm-hmm. that people cannot process, you know, wheat. Yeah, <laughs> and it's, exactly. and it, it predisposes you to cancers and other things. And those people need to stop, you know, eliminate wheat from their diet. But that is different from just everyone saying, I want to go carb free and go gluten free because they feel it's healthier because that's, they're two different things. Yeah. Hmm. So for those of you listening, I think it's really important to make informed decisions. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. <laughs> and not just jump on the bandwagon of something that's, that's fit. Yeah. You know, I can't ever imagine. I, I always think about those things or like, um, what was that one? 
the Atkins. And that's uh, like a ketogenic diet, right? Where you eat very high protein and no, almost no carbs. Yeah. I'm just like, what are your poor insights doing with all of that? Right. I mean, well, people actually develop like ketotic smelling breath, you know, like they, they have that sweet smell from the ketosis that's going on in the breakdown of protein and which is what we see in diabetics who are having, you know, a diabetic crisis. And so things like that to me don't seem rational. <laughs> I'm a much more of a moderation person. Yeah. Um, you know, have some, I, you know, I, I will say that if you're, I'm not judgmental though. So if you, are doing some kind of diet where it's, you know, gluten-free or meat-free or heavy meat, you know, and you feel great, then that's your choice. You know, like that, I think that's great for you, but I don't know that everything works for everyone. And I think that my goal in our society where, you know, there are certainly people on the extreme ends of health and wellness and fitness, but what, what the bigger problem aren't those people, it's the people in the middle who are eating McDonald's oh, and yeah. fast food and processed food where it, the first goal should be just to move away from like what I call fake food and eat actual real food, which is, you know, vegetables and fruits and, you know, things like that. Because I think that, you know, everyone's wonders, well, why is our society so obese and why is there so much diabetes? Why are children developing diabetes? And it's because they're eating bad food, you know, and, and it's getting passed down from generation to generation. And so we really need to educate people and try to minimize the exposure to those kinds of foods, I think. Yeah, I mean, I totally agree. I mean, this has been the ongoing conversation and uh, just our culture and our society about how easily accessible fast food is and how inexpensive it is and, and people right. just not making and I understand, look, I, I'm, I've done a lot of work with, you know, at-risk youth and working with uh, communities that, you know, have, you know, socioeconomic barriers, et cetera, you know, so I understand that it can, it can be a financial thing, but I, I still feel like it's a choice. You know, you're still going to spend less money on vegetables than you are on like meat, processed meat products. And, you know, I just, I feel like it, it really comes down to just making the most educated decisions that you can. A quick message from our sponsor. If you're looking for a nutrient system that truly embraces and complements the mind-body balance in a holistic, nurturing way, then wellness kits from Uveda are your natural answer. They're created with the help of naturopathic and Ayurvedic practitioners committed to the healing traditions mantra of purity and harmony. These top quality ingredients are hand-picked and refined in a way that preserve utmost quality and potency. Discover a wide range of formulas that deliver essential fatty acids, herbs, probiotic strains, and enzymes to help support your health and wellness needs. Whether you're looking for a natural detox support, a gentle digestive aid, soothing probiotics, or a formula dense in vitamins, minerals, and antioxidants, you can be assured you're getting only the best natural healing remedies for your body. Go to uveda.com, that's Y-O-U-V-E-D-A.com, and enter the promo code ROSIE, R-O-S-I-E, for a special discount on your first purchase. I mean, we also live in a society that's so heavily... Um, you know, wrapped up in corn and corn syrup. Mm. And, you know, f there's so much corn farming and, you know, there's so much extra corn available so that, you know, making things with corn syrup, which we know is horrible for people, 
is also just so much a part of our society's food as opposed to other parts of the world where they don't do that they at all. Do <laughs> they yeah, don't yeah. use corn syrup. They don't, they don't do that. You know, that's another thing where I feel like, like we, we were mentioning earlier is I'm a big fan of just drinking water. Oh yeah. And, and you know, do I, and I think a green juice is okay. Like, which is vegetable based, but this sort of like juicing concept to me is a little bit like counterintuitive because, you know, when you base, you know, these juices that people buy at these juicing stores, that's all sugar. I mean, that, that sometimes is, you know, equal to 10 to 12 packets of white sugar, (gasps) you know, the amount of sugar in those big, like a Jamba juice or whatever those places are. And that's actually not good for you. <laughs> and then, you know, people are on a juice diet. And I'm like, well, it's well, not like, really a so, diet. So, yeah. So, like, or a juice where people, you know, like, I've done it. I've done juice cleanses in the past. But I, I think mm-hmm. that exactly what you're saying. It's like, so if you're having, you're doing a juice cleanse with, like, a little bit of celery and pineapple and apple and pear, you know, like, all the, mm-hmm. the sweet stuff. I mean, is that still, do you think that that's also you know, creating that yeah. blood sugar spike. I do. I think that if you're, you know, dr- putting down a, on a juice cleanse, you know, however many ounces of juice, however many times a day, that's basically like drinking sugar water. And, you know, there's some other nutrients in there from the, from the fruit, but, you know, it, I, I try to tell people it's better to try to stick to a green juice. Maybe there's an apple, but the rest is plant-based stuff, you know, that doesn't have as much sugar in it. Yeah. You, so it's like it, sugar it is sounds sugar. healthy. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It's not, it's not always healthy. You know, it's just a lot of sugar. Oh, I'm so um, glad that you're speaking to this because this is like one of those things that I've never heard anybody else in the health that. and well, wellness. That, yeah. You know, yeah. Well, this is what I think with children. You know, they, they're, we're like, you know, every time you look at a kid in a stroller, they're drinking like an apple juice or an orange juice. Mm-hmm, and then mm-hmm. we wonder why our children are becoming obese. It's like they don't need to drink juice. They could have water. There's no reason that they need to be drinking like a cup of basically sugar, you know. And um, and if you don't introduce it, then they don't know about it. So they can stick to water. You know, I mean, not saying you have to be militant about it, but just recognize what you're doing and how it affects over years, how that develops into, you know, how they're, how they're processing sugar and what they're expecting to drink. Cause it's just orange juice and apple juice is going to lead to like Coke and Pepsi and, you know, more sugar down the road. Yeah. Yeah. So Yeah. I think that we need to move away from that. Yeah. Well, and the, one of the other things I wanted to ask you about is, um, I'm like, I have a friend, I have a friend yeah. who, um, <laughs> She would like, you know, drink these little organic energy shots when she uh-huh. would get tired and then go to, you know, work out. So what what's your feeling of those little energy shots with like B-complex vitamins and all this? Uh, it's ca- There's caffeine in there, obviously. And, um, right. you I know, mean, the, the, yeah, go ahead. No, go ahead. well, I'm like, and say this friend has, has had a history of palpitations. So, so let's just, yeah, let's speak to this friend. <laughs> so <laughs> here, I think vitamins have really never been shown to do anything to improve morbidity and mortality in people. Occasionally people have real vitamin deficiencies uh-huh. that they're, that they're either born with or, you know, certain things that they're really because they have been depleted in their environment. But in general, supplemental vitamin use, despite what everyone says, there's really no randomized studies that show a benefit. I mean, even sadly, fish oil, those studies have been very neutral and hard to 
disease. And while I think there are benefits to fish oil in terms of like, you know, hair and depression and all kinds of things that omega-3 fatty acids do, Mm -hmm. it's not clear that they are the magic bullet either. So what I tell people is you can, you can drink vitamins. Chances are you're peeing out most of that. And that's why your urine turns bright yellow is because all of those pills are made with, you know, tons of filler and, you know, to hold all that stuff together. And then most of the time you're just, you're, you're it's coming out when you go to the bathroom. So I think that the best place to get vitamins and nutrients is from your food and your diet. The best place, if you do have, you know, certain conditions can lead to vitamin D deficiency or things like mm-hmm. that. If you live in very, you know, sunless places and yes. you can certainly take supplements. But I think that in general, those shots, it's really the caffeine that's giving it an energy boost right before you work out. And mm-hmm. caffeine is certainly linked to causing heart irritability in people, especially who have palpitations. It's not going to kill you. It's just going to maybe make you have more palpitations and be more irritable. Your heart's going to be a little more irritable. Yeah. But I do think that those ener- pure energy, like what you're describing sounds kind of like an organic energy drink yeah. with vitamins and a little caffeine. But those mm-hmm. like Red Bull, those high <gasps> caffeine, those are not yeah. good for people. And especially young people should really stay away from those. <laughs> oh my goodness. <laughs> They're so, not. So my, I, I, we have a, my little 19 year old sister, uh, we've acquired her mm-hmm. like two years ago. So, so my, my partner and I are raising a teenager. Um, but like, she'll come in, she doesn't do this anymore, but like she would come in with this huge monster energy drink, like huge. And I'm like, Oh my goodness. Like this can't possibly be good for anyone (laughs) to be drinking. Right. No, I really, it just, all it's doing is giving you a ton of sugar and caffeine and then you're, it's causing like a huge blood sugar, you know, spike with a huge release of insulin. And then the aftermath of that is to actually probably feel more tired, (laughs) you know, but it it is going to make them wake up. It's certainly going to make them, you know, more alert for a little while, but it's a trade-off and it's not actually particularly healthy. Oh my goodness. So yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm like so many things. This has been most enlightening. This is uh, our, our segment of uh, health education here on uh, Radically Loved Podcast. So I just I have a couple more questions um, and I yeah. want to be respectful of your time. I know you have patients on the wing. Um, so what what would be like the top three things that we can do for our heart health that you can share with us? So I think, well, I don't know if this should count, but I want all, whether it's women or men listening, but especially to the women, <laughs> I, I really want them to make like even a well woman visit if they're feeling okay. And if they're not feeling okay to make a doctor's appointment and really go and insist that you be evaluated for all of the things we just talked about, because it's the same way that you would get a pap smear or a mammogram. You need to go and have your heart assessed and your risk factors assessed for all the reasons we've talked about. And especially because car- cardiovascular disease is probably what's going to kill you, you know, as a woman. The, the second, so that's sort of like just the overarching thing. The next thing I would say is to really try to look, look at your diet, look at how you're treating your body, whether it comes to, you know, processed foods or um, alcohol intake, drug intake, you know, these are all things that people do. And I, and I understand that there's reasons that people do it and they want to relax and this and that. But there's, they are toxic to you. And, you know, the whole red, a glass of red wine a day. I mean, that's not actually clear to clearly shown to be true. Um, and, and in many people, alcohol is a cardiac toxin. So again, I'm, oh. I'm back to this moder- moderation thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, we see people 
who develop heart failure purely from alcohol abuse. So what, what we tell people is, you know, I never want to tell people you can never drink again, but like have a couple of drinks now and then. You don't have to drink every night, especially if you don't really need it. Um, so that's another thing. So diet and and then I would say exercise. Mm-hmm. And I always I always tell, especially my women, like I don't want you. You don't have to be thin. Being thin does not necessarily improve your morbidity mortality in life. In fact, women and people who are a little bit heavier have are sometimes actually at lower risk long term because they have more reserve. So as they age you know, they're not as frail as some particularly skinny people. So mm-hmm. I, you know, I say focus less on your weight and more on your activity level. It's the insides that I care most about. So get yeah. your heart rate up, walk, put your, put your running shoes on, on, you know, do more activity. Um, and then the third thing I would say is really um, like stress reduction. So whether it's a yoga practice or listening to a meditation app or, doing something you really enjoy or, you know, being outside, whatever it is that helps you reduce stress and get a good night's sleep. Because again, sleeping seven to eight hours a night, I think that there's been a lot of attention on sleep and the importance of sleep. It really is very important for mm-hmm. your body to sort of restore itself. And um, the same for stress reduction. I mean, there's people have heart attacks when, you know, there's a whole, whole syndrome called stress cardiomyopathy where, Women more than men will have a very stressful event, maybe a death or a divorce or a fight with someone, and they develop a heart failure syndrome acutely. And that's called the broken heart syndrome. And it get, it can resolve and will get better, but these women will present like they're having a heart attack and their heart looks abnormal and then it gets better. So there is, we know there's a connection between the brain and your emotions and your heart and they, they're interconnected and linked in a way that we can't ignore. So, you know, that's probably my third recommendation. Oh, I love that. Thank you. Oh my goodness. This is like, I I feel like we should do this, uh, like every week, (laughs) just so we can, just so we can start really spreading the, the word. I'm so, um, I'm so grateful that you, uh, you, you came onto the podcast. I, um, I, I feel like you spoke to, you know, all the things that are of concern and even things that we could probably elaborate on some more. But um, for I want to be respectful of your time, obviously, but for the people listening who want more information, um, maybe about you, or they have a particular question, or they want more information, where would you recommend they go? So for for me, I mean, I'm on Twitter, so they can see I have I'm like Dr. Jen Haith on Twitter. So they certainly could follow me or instant message me on Twitter or direct message or whatever. It's called. <laughs> and um, if they if they live near me and in, in New York, you could certainly make an appointment with me or one of my colleagues. We've created the Columbia Women's Heart Center. You know, you don't have to have advanced heart failure to see a cardiologist, right? You can see um, a general cardiologist and we have like great women doctors and male doctors. But, you know, we have a whole center for women who've had chemotherapy related heart disease so you know we're trying to cover all the bases so i would say you can you can make an appointment you can make an appointment with your doctor um yeah and i mean i've written a couple of little articles online you can read about certain you know women's related heart stuff Mm -hmm. but certainly if they have questions they can reach me on twitter and they can also reach me through columbia okay great so i through my office yeah I will, um, I'll put those for those of you listening, all of those links will be on the show notes. So if you go to the show notes and you click info, I'll have, uh, Dr. Jen's 
information on there so you could just email her or message her or make an appointment there directly um is there anything else you'd like to share with everyone um <laughs> what would i just you know I just want people to pay attention to their to themselves and treat themselves kindly and you know it's never too late to change even you know I'm always trying to figure out how I can change my own routine to make myself you know feel better and be healthier and so you know it's never too late to change especially with heart disease you can make so many changes whatever age you are Oh my goodness. Well, thank you, Dr. Haith. Uh, I keep calling you Dr. Jen. I'm like, what's up, doc? You um, call me Jen. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> I have to um, take a yoga class. I know. Uh, so I am so grateful for all the work that you're doing and for spreading this knowledge that I feel so many women, everyone, especially women, need to hear. Um, and so <laughs> I, I really hope that you continue this work. And I'm, I'm so grateful that we have uh, incredibly smart, bright, beautiful doctors like yourself out in the world helping us. So thank you. Oh, thank you. And thanks for having me on. Thank you so much. Thank you. Do you want to go on an epic yoga adventure? I do. In fact, I, I, I do all the time. (laughs) When, when do I not want to go on an epic yoga adventure? And this fall, In an attempt to see the Northern Lights, we will go to Iceland into a journey through the chakras. It's going to be fun. If you're curious, you can email me at rosie at radicallyloved.com or go to the show notes and click the links to each of the retreats or you can go to radicallyloved.com. See you soon. Hey everyone, I hope you enjoyed this episode. I am so excited to continue to do this. Please share this with your friends. Email us, message us on Instagram at Rosie Acosta or on Twitter at Rosie Acosta. Subscribe on iTunes, write a review. We love doing this, so please help us continue to keep this podcast going. Thanks for listening.